0: Another one taken from us way too soon. My heart goes out to friends and family. And this episode is dedicated to Zane Timpson. Rest in peace. everybody it's schmitty and this is talking schmidt and today's episode is one of those ones that when i started this what two and a half years ago i never thought i was gonna do an interview with the magnitude of the next guest that i have but here i am Episode 140 ish, maybe even 140. We'll throw it 140. Let's see if that works. Let's see if it sticks. Yep. Anyway, this is fucking text John Gibson. Arguably the best Thrasher cover of the first generation of thrashers, and arguably the top five Thrasher covers of all time. Amarillo pipe with the fucking Shadow framing him right at 11 o'clock it was him and KT In the pipe we're gonna definitely talk About that but dude's a Legend dude grew up in Texas I could babble about it All day I'm excited if you can't Tell
1: And on down to your local shop Ask Nightwishish skateboards Or visit
0: Here we go kids. John motherfucking Gibson and he's an Astros
2: fan. This is John Gibson and we're going to talk some Smith.
1: It's cool, like, tonight is the night.
2: Here we go again. Just give it the all-cause
0: time. All Big Dog's in. Smitty! 96 times, Smitty.
1: Thanks, Smitty. We on? Smitty? Talking Schmidt.
2: That's called a uh, hot huh? little bitch. I like can shit my pants. The yeah, RoboDex is fucking deep. It's about the one. The one. The one. Who is this
3: guy who thinks he's tough shit? What's up? We're Tastemakers. Come on,
1: Smitty, what the fuck? we uh, here for Tastemakers. Yeah!
0: We're deep in the uh, heart of Texas, and there's only two teams left, baby. One of them happens to be the assholes. And uh,
2: this next guest is John Gibson.
0: And uh, I don't know,
2: are you a baseball fan? Well, you know, a little bit. My family's pretty heavy into baseball. But, you know, since we're in the game, we're to the final game. I thought I'd uh, get you an Astros hat just to rub it in a little. (laughs)
0: Oh man, I like that the coach, Dusty Baker. He used to be our coach. So I, I got I got respect for him.
2: All right. All right. Cool. <laughs>
0: uh, so how did this whole skateboarding thing start? You were born in Houston, is
2: that right? Uh yeah. I was born in Houston and uh we lived in Pasadena, Pasadena, Texas, a little suburb of Houston, and that's where it all began, right there. And you have you have brothers? Yeah, I got two older brothers and an older sister. They're all like one year apart. And then I was like five years later, so kind of older.
0: Did having an older brother, did that, is that how you got into skating or how did you get your first board?
2: Well, I got my first board, I believe it was the summer of 75, like the the invention of your day. I mean, I'll go outside and all the whole neighborhood was full of kids, you know, older than me. They were all my brother's friends. And there, all, everyone was skateboarding this summer. And every, everyone was just so hyped on it. And I was borrowing boards, everything. And then once everybody went back to school, you know, only a handful left out there skating. So I'd go out. I went in the garage. I got my brother's board. Started skating with those guys and never got off. That was it, pretty much.
0: And what, what was, like, where would you go to get a skateboard in those days?
2: <clears throat> like, uh, well, you know, like they were a, really but- cheap. Yeah, they were really cheap boards, you know. I guess they got them at Kmart and Blue Light Special, or, you know, some crap like that. And um, but eventually, there was a Swin bicycle shop in our neighborhood, right on the edge of our neighborhood, and they had a little skateboard section, and that's where we first saw a Skateboarder magazine come out. Uh, okay, you know?
0: that's what a and lot they, of people say. Like the bike store started kind of being a little zone for yeah, skate.
2: exactly. Exactly, man. You know. And, when we would go in there, we couldn't touch anything. They had all the bicycles everywhere. And they would watch us with like a hawk. And we'd just gaze and put our pennies on the counter and buy a skateboarder magazine. And then that was it, man. We were hooked.
0: And this is before skate parks, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Before skate parks. And the uh, one good thing about our neighborhood was we had curds, you know, these different kind of curds, like instead of the red curds that everybody slappies today. Ours had or transition curves where you could carve on, you could tell blocks, you could grind. And it's pretty cool, man. And all these ditches around the house.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to yeah. say, like, it's a pretty lot of ditches down there. So is that as a kid, are you kind of putting two and two together already? Like this can go there?
2: Yes, exactly. First, we're hanging out in the ditches, you know, catching turtles and all that. Just walking all up and down miles and miles. And then when we were skating, we'd have a skateboard, too, but we didn't know what's dropping down the sides of them, but there's water there. You know, it's kind of like a wave. But then we'd come upon one that's like a spillway off to the side. We're like, well, we could just ride here. We'd dry this water up out right here, build a dam. Boom. That's how we started, then.
0: And you're about like, what, 12, 12 or 13 or something?
2: No, I was younger than that. I was oh. probably 10. Yeah, because I, I think I was 13 uh, well, I was born in 64, so y'all can do the math. I don't know. This is like 76, 75, 76. Okay. Yeah.
0: So are you, <clears throat> what's the vibe like in, in the neighborhoods or at school? Like, are you getting heckled and shit for having a skateboard or is it kind of cool?
2: Well, it was kind of cool. You know, they wouldn't allow us to have it at school. Anyway, we couldn't even put them in a locker. Uh. Schools were, you know, they were lame. And but afterwards, you know, we'd be skating around. And it was only me and a couple of people in the neighborhood, Toby Herrera, man, we'd just skating, and go to the ditch. And you know, back then there would be surfer people that fucking rode the ditches and stuff. They rode these big long boards, pins, and no kick turns. They'd just slash cars like they just slashing cards like they're surfing. And there was a bunch of them around. And okay. they eventually warmed up to us. They didn't bite us too much. And we kind of became one. Uh, It's pretty cool. But you
0: you could kind of differentiate, like, that's a different vibe than our
2: vibe. Yeah, uh, exactly. Because we were young, you know, and there were older guys in the blue jeans. You know, they had driver's license and driving cars and stuff.
0: And are you just uh, oblivious to, like, I don't know, photos or any type? like? Yeah,
2: uh, anything. You know, I'm just skating. I just, you know, here's the skateboard. Everybody's skateboarding in the neighborhood. We know, we, there was no magazine, nothing on TV. But then I started paying attention, you know. And then I see it on TV, and then I hunt out pictures. There's Skateboarder Magazine, and then boom, so everything just starts coming together.
0: So Skateboarder Magazine was at the Schwinn shop, maybe yes. as, as oh. maybe your first sighting. And you're like, do you remember some of the names of the dudes that are like, damn, these dudes are rad. Like,
2: oh have- yeah, man, you can. Could- you could really read between the lines, you know, but all of it was rag. you know, we did everything. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't have, you know, then when TA and all them were doing the pools, when pools were coming in there, that we instantly were going to them, you know, but in the beginning, you know, we see, we're doing stuff outside on the street in front of our house. And then we were just following, you know, the magazine's like, we're like three months behind. And when once we see the pictures, man, we're like, oh, let's go find some, find pools. And we were on the hunt constantly, you know.
0: Yeah, that's how it was for us too. Ours was more video driven, but like you'd see it, and you'd be like, "I gotta learn that fucking trick." What the
1: yeah, hell, you right. know?
2: And the pictures were so good in the Skateboarder Magazine, you're just like, "Ah!" Oh. And then, then you find the you can figure out who the clicks are, what the groups are, and then the, you know, like Dogtown and the Badlanders and all that. You see. And you can pick in between. You're like, I'm going to want to do that. And, this guy's got style. You know, you're trying to read the articles and stuff. And, you know, we studied it every night. You know, So sick. What's yeah. some
0: of the early skate parks when you start seeing skate parks popping up? What are some of the
2: early ones? Well, see, there was this one that uh, I found out about. It was called Skaters Graders in Pasadena. And it was like a total white trash park. You know, we were skating our ditches and we heard about it. And I made my brothers take me there. And, like, they take me there, and it starts raining and stuff. And, but these still guys are still riding. There was this one guy, Randy Pie. He was just, like, ripping it because it was just one bowl. It's like this, It was like they just dug a bunch of dirt out of the way and poured concrete. It was really, really bad. But this guy was ripping the, ripping the bowl, and I was just like, no way. And then it started pouring down rain, and <laughs> everybody left. And I stood there and I skated that bowl in the rain every day, man. I had a Logan Earth skiing, no kicktail, skating barefooted. And that was it, right? there. I went to that park every chance I got a ride after that.
0: So was that kind of the spark for you that like yeah, made you want that, to push it to the next level?
2: Yeah, so I started learning lip slides. You know, I got a better board, eventually up and up, You know, getting a little better equipment.
0: And then do they and start then, having contests there or local contests? Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, they had lots of contests. They had freestyle, you know, slalom, uh, the bull riding. Bull riding had a big crack in it, man, but you <laughs> can work your way around it. But it was so much fun. But it was total trash, man. It was the worst. Eventually, they built another skate park near us, a really nice one, Gulf Coast Skate Park. Became uh-huh. a local there with Ken Fillion and got named Doug SoFar. And that park was all cement, nice, but no bird, you know, it didn't have any bird. And that was what we were seeking out.
0: Was Ken from your area?
2: Yeah. Ken, yeah, Ken, he moved in. Like when we were out we skating the ditch and stuff, I remember I'm just sitting there by myself riding it. I see this guy in 10 speed coming down the bayou where there's water, you know, and he's got to cross it to come to the ditch. And he's like coming, he's like sketching, he's got his board on his handlebars. And he slips on the slime going across the water and gets all wet and everything. He's like, he gets up and he's got a really deep voice. He's like, "Damn, that water's cold!" And I just remember <laughs> laughing and I skated off and he. I guess he went to the ditch to ride and I left. But then eventually we came together at the ditch and we've been friends ever since. You know,
0: is he, that guy's like a class clown type guy, right? Like oh, all it's
1: humor the and everything.
2: He's the funniest person I've ever met, man. Mm -hmm. You're just rolling. You get stomach aches, man. (laughs) Cramps, Laughing so hard.
0: Oh, man. Talk about the rivalry between Dallas and Houston. What was that like? I
2: don't know. Dallas, they think they're hockey players or something. You know, (laughs) they're all padded up and ready to go like linebackers or something. And we're all in uh, Daisy Dukes and no shoes or one shoe. We're all sharing (laughs) shoes. Yeah, that's about it, really, you know. We all became great friends eventually.
0: Eventually. Yeah.
2: Were, yeah, eventually we did. <laughs> <laughs> was there
0: early times where you would go to Dallas and there was vibes and stuff or was it?
2: Oh, no, not vibes, man. No. It's just, you know, everybody's into the whole thing. Maybe a little vibes, you know, but not bad. Not too bad. Okay. You yeah. know, because once you, once you, we would. Go to like contests, say some other town in Texas, like Killeen, and they would be there. We would be there. It would be like you know, it's like pipeline guys going to, you know, people from Del Mar or something, you know. But um, it was pretty cool. It's all right.
0: I mean, California was a little more locals only vibe, maybe than Texas. But uh, I know that like Stropel was talking about, like the coast versus the valley was like, mm, we're not, yeah. mix, we're not mixing.
2: <laughs> I know. I guess it was when it's an everyday thing, you know, yeah. you go on it. it. But uh, when I went out there, man, everybody was getting along. It was cool.
0: Okay. Was was uh, what was your first sponsor? Was it Caster?
2: Um, no, my first sponsor, of course, was the skate parks. I was on the skater Creator team and uh-huh. I was on Gulf Coast skate park team. And then, like you're saying, like people from Dallas would come down. And Jeff Newton brought Craig Johnson down, Dan Wilkes, and a handful of other people. You know, Phillips wasn't quite there yet. And he was making boards out of his, uh, out of his garage, Zorlac boards, right? And they came down and uh, skated Gulf Coast for a contest. And Newton asked me, he goes, hey, you want to ride the Zorlac? And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's actually my first board sponsor. Oh. You know, and then I left with them from there and rode up to Dallas with them and we skated around. And then there was the contest in, um, Oklahoma, in Tulsa, the Oklahoma Skate championships. So I rode with them. I'm riding Zorlak and go up there and there's pros on tour, right? It's like Chris Stropel, uh, Shogo Kubo, Dennis Martinez, Steve Cathy, and Tony Jatan they touring the states, right? And they come to that contest. And, you know, and I just learned Ollie Harris, just learned them and stuff, you know. And so I'm sitting there skating. They had a flexed glass ramp there because the park was really lame, no vertical, you know. And then, so I'm doing some Ollie's. That's when Chris Strople walks up. He's like, You want to ride for Castor? I'm like, Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm not putting two to two together, like, because he's going, I'll fly you to California. when you ride for Caster. right now. I'm like, sure, man, no problem. And then I'm not thinking about it. i look over. I see Strofel and Jeff Newton talking. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm up here with, with Newton in there, man. I'm riding Zorak. And then Newton comes over to me. He goes, hey, I heard Chris Strofel asked you to ride for Castor. I go, yeah, he did. He goes, well, what would you say? I said, fuck, yeah. And he's like threw his hands up and... They all talked and everything. I think Stopo eventually gave a a pair of uh, magnesium trackers, man, for like a trade. Nice. And, then, and, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it. Then we had to drive home after the contest. And I'm in the back of the truck with Craig and everybody, all the zorla guys. And I'm like, oh, shit. It was like the quietest drive. Quietest five-hour drive we ever done.
0: <laughs> Wait, you you hop teams and then went back with
2: the original team. Yeah, I had to ride back to <laughs> Dallas with them, and then you know he did. A, he took me straight to the airport. You know, uh, so no no rest or nothing. I had to call my mom. Mom, I need a plane ticket. Fly me home.
0: <laughs> what was the first time meeting Craig and them like? Was was they like? What was their persona like, and how did it all go for
2: you guys? I don't know. Mad rats, man. Super short. <laughs> big old bulky knee pads helmets, and like, we're just, I don't know, man. It was kind of intimidating, but, you know, and they were, I don't know, they're pretty arrogant, but I can't talk bad about them because we're best friends now and everything, you know?
0: Did you ever wear the uh, Mad Rats?
2: No, I had the SIOs, the
0: SIOs, which was
2: Barry, you know, Barry, the skate doctor, he was in uh, Dallas, He In the early days, he was always in Dallas and hung out with Newton. And I think he worked at the skate park there, Free Flight Skate Park. Uh. And he was making those shorts, SIOs. You know, I don't know many people who know what that stands for. Though I don't know if I should. You know, it stands for skateboards inside out. That's what it stands for. Uh. And uh, those shorts were, I wore those, but they were short, short too. We all wore those short shorts back then.
0: Uh. too much. Yeah, the style is always cool. What's that? So then you went. It's crazy. I was thinking about it. you were in a small town called Pasadena and you go uh-huh. out to fucking skate in California with Stropel in Pasadena. Yeah. And then that was where the uh, what was it called? The Sierra Madre or whatever. The pool that uh, Stropel had the first Thrasher cover. You were there for that. You were skating. Yes. You, you were in inside the mag skating the same pool, right?
2: Yes, exactly. We were at the Upland Gold Cups. It was the last Gold Cup of the series, of five contests. And that's when uh, Thatcher and Mofo and Fosto, they come walking up. They're talking to Strobel. Because you know, Strobel, I guess, was having problems with Tracker. He was uh. trying to get me to go to Indy right then, too. And I'm like, well, they're loving me now. <laughs> and, you know, They're not loving you. And that's when they go, and Strobel goes, hey, I know a pool. And told them so. We break away from practice at Upland. We go to Pasadena and skate that pool. You know, it's really cool because that picture of me skate that uh doing a little ollie over the stairs there was taken by Fosco, and he no doesn't even take pictures, man. Yeah, he's he's got the photo credit in there if you look at it.
0: Oh, that's sick.
2: That's what makes it unique, you know. It's pretty cool. What was? And this? I was riding trackers.
0: <laughs> what were those dudes like? What was? Meeting Fausto and KT and Mofo, what were they like back then?
2: They were great, man. They were totally cool, man. It really mad respect, you know. Giving me any respect. They were... In return, we were friends for many, many years, still friends today, but uh-huh. we became great friends after that, you know. Because I mean, when their skating went through such a change after that Upland Gold Cup, yeah. I mean, it just completely died and everything. And we're coming back up through the underground and thrashing needed content that's when jeff newton had to shut up and skate contest, and that's when it all it was all started stacking up then that's what made you know texas was a big part of getting thrasher to getting it up there you know getting scenes going around the country yeah it. so yes. it's like diy all the way you
0: know so talk a little bit about that so jeff did jeff created like the idea of having this contest he was already doing zorlak he was contributing to the the mag writing some articles here and there and whatnot, right?
2: Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, say, I was still writing for Caser after the Upland Gold Cup. I think they had another contest a little later, the Lakewood Program. Mm. They had that, and there was like zero, you know, banners up there. And that's how pretty much how they pay for it. And then after that, I remember I came back out the next summer because I spent all my summers, right, when I rode for Caster out in California. And uh, I think it was 82. Went out there, there was no contest the whole summer, just one at the very end, which a Del Mar contest. And I remember I couldn't even, I couldn't even when I put shoes on to go practice before that contest, it felt weird because I've been on the beach all summer. (laughs) So then after that, everything's dying, you know, and I fly back home and then I'm not going to California anymore. And Newton calls me. He's like, man, I wouldn't even put your board out. Put your board out. I go, man, I'm not quitting Castor. I can't quit Castor. No way. I it's the best team ever. You know, he goes, Oh, they're not doing anything. I was like, Well, let me talk to him. And I was like so scared to call him and everything. Probably called Wally. I talked to him first. Uh-huh. he's like, Yeah, Caster's not doing anything else. So that's when I start writing for Zorlak Again, it's my second time. So and then Newton's going, Yeah, doing these contests, you know. All around Texas, like San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, Corpus Christi, all the uh, summer of 82, 83, 84, and then they just took off after that. And the yeah. contests were killer. They were all backyard, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger each summer.
0: Right. Nice. Yeah. Well, and then what, what was your very first uh, graphic when you got the first board?
2: Well, didn't ask me what I wanted for graphics, and I was like, well, anything, I don't care. I just want a cow Skull in it, you know, because the name Tex was, just kept coming up all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, from in California. You know, nobody knew my name. You know, they just remember me. They're like, oh, that guy from Texas, Tex, okay. kind of thing, you know. So, yeah, I bought a cow Skull. It'd be good. So, I think computers were just kind of rolling out. He was messing around with clip art, and he found a cow Skull. And then those demons, and you know, he never really liked them. I would always liked those graphics, and you know, he only made a few of those boards—not that many boards with those graphics on it, with the kind of demon guys in the back. And then that's what Pusshead did. He took a—he did his version of those graphics. Okay, where,
0: so the first graphic wasn't Pusshead.
2: No, uh, uh-uh. that was it Newton? was. Uh, oh, I don't have that board. I don't have the board anymore. I had one. It was only like 800 made, I think, the first one.
0: No way. Okay. Yeah. And so how- did oh, p-
2: got something. I uh, got a shirt, thing. You Have you ever seen him? You haven't seen him? Is it the one that it's like
0: uh, it's like uh, the board color comes through the middle and it's like a V?
2: Yeah, it's like, like three demons. Hold on a second. Let me see. This 80s Zorlite stuff, can you see it?
0: Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: This one doesn't have any colors or anything, and this is total '80s cut, you know, all midriff and everything.
0: Did Newton do that graphic?
2: Yeah, Newton did that one because I told him put a cow skull, and this is what he came up with. Uh And then, and then Pusshead. If you look at Pusshead's compared to this one, he did his rendition of it, you know, in his style, his art. And so, (laughs) then began the Pusshead graphics. that ran off.
0: Yeah. How did Pusshead get in the mix? How was he, was he?
2: Well, when I worked for Caster, I was kind of a local out in Del Mar, you know, it's the summer of 79. I was riding it all the, every day there. And then summer of 80, 81, 82. But that first summer in 79, I think he was working at the skate park in Del Mar. And we kind of became friends, you know, we talked and everything. And then, um, when skating went underground, would die and went into grain, and it was underground. Somehow Newton was, would got in contact with him. And he's like, Oh, I, I know John. He said he knew me, that we'd been skating together when I was on Caster. So he drew up some graphics, sent him to Newton, and it just took off from there. We're like, Oh, we love it. Let's do it. Uh, well, I'm just, I'm pretty much, I don't care. I just want to cow stall anything, <laughs> is what I'm saying, you know.
0: But, but yeah,
2: they, so it just took off from there.
0: And those are the iconic. I mean, when Puzzhead got involved, like that stuff is so sick. And a lot of that shit is worth a lot of dough these days, like eBay and stuff. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I, mean, I to <laughs> see it on there. I'm like, God, when do I get paid? <laughs> <laughs> Puzzhead's probably saying the same thing, you
0: know? Uh, um, OK, so then later when you got the cover.
2: Yeah, that was with uh, Thatcher went with us. Oh, we took him there. Yeah. Talk about
0: that. That's Amarillo.
2: Yeah, was in Amarillo. I don't know. He called up, you know, we were friends. You know, it's the early days of Thrasher and stuff. And, you know, we we hang out all the time when we're at contests and stuff. And he calls us up and goes, I want to do a story about the pipes, you know, because pipes were really secret before then. Huh. And we're like, OK, we'll take you, you know, we'll take you, you know, fly into. He flew into Dallas and I drove up from Houston. And met with Craig and we all spent the night in Dallas and then drove to Amarillo, which is a pretty long drive. Huh. We get to the hotel, sleep, get woken up because you got to sneak in the pipes at dawn to, so you don't get busted. That's the main thing. Don't get busted because they will take you to jail and you will know to maybe never find you. You know. Uh. So we go there and it's like in the morning, no <laughs> No fucking light at all. So you got to jump up this onto that 16-foot cement wall. And then you got to grab on and go over like an eight-foot uh, steel fence. Or you can take the boat around, or like a blow-up canoe, kind of going around with the equipment. But we wow. chose to go the short way, not the long way. Plus, it's, plus it's middle of winter, and it's cold as fuck. Oh. And so we go, jump over, and we're freezing balls so much in the pipe. Sun's not up yet. And that's when we start skating, fakie, and back and forth trying to get warm and then try to sleep, go back and get some more sleep before the sun comes up. And then sun started coming up, a little heat coming in, and we're doing fakies, fakies, and then start ripping. And that's when that photo happened, right then, right at Dawn Patrol, right when sun was just coming up. Yeah, like That's why I have all the jacket on can full pants and everything. Later, if you look at the other pictures, you know, we start we start losing clothes, and starts warming up a lot.
0: But part of the beauty of that cover is that the that you're almost framed in the shadows. Like the sun is beaming in and you're in the sun and the rest is shadowed. It's like was that kind of like orchestrated or was that just luck no, of the that draw? Was
2: all, that was all spur of the moment. I mean we just starting to skate. And like, I remember it being really dark and he was uh-huh. trying to shoot flashes and stuff. And uh-huh. we're just really skating to stay warm. It's right. fucking freezing and balls, you know? And so, and then the sun just peeked over right then, right when I was just happening to be doing something. And then yeah. I remember he called me later and goes, so um, you got the cover. You got <laughs> it. And I'm like, what? Really? He goes, there's this one picture you're not going to believe. Wait till you see it. I'm not going to show you. You see it. I'm like, all right, killer.
0: <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Is like, I mean, obviously back then there was no digital camera, so it's film, and so you don't even see it for like till yeah. you get back and develop it, and then you're going through it with the little thing, and you're like, Oh boy, uh, look at this one.
2: Yeah, and see, and I'm not getting to look at it. He's all doing that, but but he kicked it out. He's like falls me, he goes, You got the cover, it's just uh, one picture, and he's just all stuck. I'm uh, like, we going? it.
0: I mean, it's one of the best covers of the Mag's history. I think like we continually ask people favorite covers, and that one is always in like people's top five, you know. Like
2: is it but, better than Stroebles? Better than Stroples? I don't know. Stroples is rad. Stroples is rad because
0: <laughs> his is the first. How the hell do you know? You know, he What's had the right? first he had the first photograph on a cover, but I like yours because, like I said, it's in a pipe and the way that the sun is I think the shot is just a little more artistic. Stropos is rad though. The uh grind is uh, the-
2: fully slapping it, man. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's yeah. no, cool.
0: it's it's super sick. I mean you know,
2: there's those other two there's other two good really pictures of that. I think they put it one of the photo annuals that Thrasher put out. Mm. It's like one where he got the 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 it's really hard to tell the elbow where it's shooting up, and I'm like doing the front side there. And then mm-hmm. one of Craig, like Craig's shadow looks like Trent shadow is in the center. It looks like some deformed monster, you know, fucking right? Shadow. It's pretty rad. It, it's in one of those thrasher. Like the book, maybe. Yeah. It's something like that. It, okay. It, it came out not long after that.
0: What was it like when KT gives you a call? Do you just know like, okay, this is like, does your mindset go to like, we're shooting for the mag? This is sick or is it another yeah. day or what?
2: Oh, it's not really like another day because it's pretty special if he's coming to Texas or or we're out there in Frisco. Uh-huh. He's like, hey, let's go do, do some photos. Like, yeah, let's go. You know, yeah. that was one thing Stropo always told me. You know, hey, you know your buddies with the photographers, ask them to go. You know, off off campus. You know, wherever the contest is, go to other places. You know, and get some shots. And we always did that with KT. He, that's right. what he wanted to do. You know, he wanted other stuff, local stuff. Like when you okay. come to Dallas or Houston, you know, he announced, he announced contests too, a lot, you know? Yeah. Cool.
0: And he just had the energy that like was, uh, addictive. Like you, you were drawn to it. You're like, okay, yeah. that guy's rad. He wants to have yeah. fun and he's going to be productive.
2: Yeah. I was pretty upset when he left thrashing.
0: Yeah. I, I don't talk to him too much anymore. I, I missed that dude. He was so super sick. He was a huge influence on me. When I first yeah. started working there, he was definitely, he was he used to come down to our skate shop in the Peninsula, just out of the blue all the time, just to check in and do his yeah. little, you know. And he our had band, his, yeah, yeah. Katie's yeah, yeah, oh, the best. Stropel, he was a pretty big influence, though. Yeah, like
2: oh, big influence. I mean, the from the beginning, it's so you know, it's strange. I might have left out a part, like the when he saw me in Oklahoma skating when mm-hmm. I was doing ollies. I actually met him, I don't know, a couple of months before that, when he came to Gulf Coast Skate Park. And that was like they were on that this tour, you know, with Stropo and Shogo and all of them. It's like the same tour. They come to our local park and he gives me a caster board because I'm allowed to skate with him. You know, they're doing like a demo at like a skate park. And so he gives me a board, it's like a wedge shell caster. And I'm like, I already knew caster was shit, you know, skateboarding magazine. You could just tell. You know, you see who's riding them, and it's always Strobel and Wally, the IPS. And so he gave me that wedge tail, and then later, when I rode, I, I rode that board, rode for Zorlac, went to Oklahoma with Jeff Newton riding for zorlak then got on, then saw K- Strobel again, and I learned all the errors in between that. He's like, you're, you're riding for Castle for sure now, you know. <laughs> so then, after they leave, I go home and it's like school starts, school year. I don't know. I think it's like a freshman in high school, right? So and I'm telling everybody I'm going to California. I'm riding for Casper. Everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah." All stuck. And then a couple of months later, I'm still talking about it. They're like, "Well, yeah, whatever." Yeah, sure, whatever. And then like towards the end of school, I'm like, "Man, I'm going. I know it. I know it. I'm going." They're like, "Have they called you?" have you talked to him? I'm like, well, no, Like, everybody's blowing me off. Even my mom blowing me off at this time until that last day of school. I don't know how he knew it. Last day, I walk in the house, phone rings. I just happened right when I walk in, phone rings, struggle. You ready to go to California? You play leads in the morning, <laughs> write this down, write this down. It's like talking to little airlines, 8 a.m. Like, yeah, it's, Hang up the phone and jumping up and down. Call my mom. That's black kid. Right. You know, mom's always at work. I just come home. Got a call. Mm. I'm home later. And then, so I call her. I go going to California in the morning. Got to take me to the airport. I got all the information right here. And I'm reading it off. She's like, oh, that's fine. Whatever. You know, I'll fuck her next day. I wake her up six in the morning. Come on, we got to go to the airport. And she just like, she's like, oh, that sounds great. She knows that that ticket's not going to be there. But she's going to drive me there. She's going to let me get my heart broken the hard way, man. Like the ticket counter, no ticket, never heard of me or anything. <laughs> but they typed it out, here you go, handed it to me. She's like, nope, nope, stop everything right now. You are not going to California by yourself. Land of Manson and Fruits and all that stuff. Oh, shit. Yeah. And it she was put too- a stop to that until I had to call because you know, pay phone. It's 1979, you know. Pay phone, boy answers, woke him up. Must have been, what, five in the morning there, six in the morning. And then boy had to get his mom on, talk to my mom. And then they had a private conversation with Bill Pastor, And She hung up and came back over the counter and goes, okay, you can go. I grabbed that ticket, and ran down the hall. I was gone. Was cool. <laughs> she had to go by myself. herself. I don't know if I would do that with my kids. Man, so that was that, the so. first
0: time on an airplane?
2: No, I've been on an airplane before, but it's first, first time, time to California. California. I mean, staying like two months in, Cal- in on the West Coast, Never, my mom's never met anyone. I've yeah. only you know, met Strobel twice for 10, 15 <laughs> minutes, you know? And I'm just going out there blind, you know? Yeah. And it was cool, you know, I land San Diego, and I'm like, looking around, I really don't know what to do. And I got my Zorlock board still. They still never sent me a board that whole nine months, you know, in between. I still got my Zolak board, no nose, no tail. It's all broken to hell. And I'm going to walk it through the airport. I got it under my arm and I noticed, I go, that guy looks like Tom Inaway." You know, Wally was standing there. I go, hey. He goes, oh, you or He's like, I think he called me text first. He's like, you text? I'm huh. like, Yeah. Where's Chris? And you know, like, I don't know anybody. There's Harry Christmas everywhere, He's trying to give me books and literature and stuff. <laughs> Just it's crazy. So we get my luggage, go outside, wait for Shopple. He could blaze it up in a red Volkswagen bug, right? Woo! Stop. Hey, with you know, Southern California accent. It was pretty cool, man. So he puts all my stuff in the in the hood. Because I'm not familiar with Volkswagen bugs at this time. You know, um, I'm only 13, right? He opens uh, the hood up, throws my shit in there. I'm like, "What a hood!" <laughs> it's funny. So then I get in the car, and he's like, "Get in the back," and I step in the back. My foot goes through the floorboard to the to the <laughs> to the street. I'm like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "Oh, it's cool. Just lift your feet up. It's like <laughs> flipstone style, man. Oh, Take off, man." And he's talking to me, driving like this. Look at me. I'm like, "Look." Out. I'm like totally shocked. And, fucking cruising and then we come to go up this big i'm just amazed looking at california you know all the hills and everything so there's no hills where i live yeah nothing. and you, so you see get the get beach to the top of this, yeah we get to the top of this hill all of a sudden he looks at wally he goes oh shit and Wally's like what what and he goes we're out of gas <laughs> we're at the top of the hill we're out of gas, right? it has got it in neutral. We're just picking up speed. Ooh, exit right there for Del Mar, you know. Del Mar exit. Ooh, and then we start coming to a halt, coming up to the light. And then I remember, I'll never forget this. Scott Daniela pulls up and goes, hey, Stropel, what's up, man? What? You got a gas? You need a hand? He goes, yeah. Man. Could you help Wally and him push? And then "Done goes, ha-ha, laugh, and they just took off left and and so we coasted up to the gas station, got gas, pulled up at Del Mar. And that's when living a dream began right there. Pulling up <laughs> in Del Mar in 79. That Hester series. It's unbelievable.
0: Del Mar was the place, right?
2: Yeah, that's the first place it went. It was uh, the summer of 79. Del Mar Hester program. Oh, man. It was, I, I mean, if you ever walked through a dream, and then you realized it was really happening. That was the time it was. Because we were walking the parking lot, there's fucking Steve Alba, there's Jay Smith, there's Alan Gelfand, there's you name it, Brad Bowman, fucking Pine. I could pick them all out. Uh-huh. You know? It's just like, what is this really happening? I only dreamed this stuff at home.
0: So I was going to say, by that time, you were definitely aware of who everyone was more so? I do.
2: Exactly. From the magazines. you have seen know them in exactly- the magazines. Yeah, I'd only met like Strobel and uh, Shogo. And then after that, yeah, and after when I walked in there, everybody was so cool. I got to fr- become friends with everybody. I mean, it just went from there. That's what it's kind of why I got a lot of respect from the older guys and stuff. Because I was there before anybody, before the 80s came in and all that shit. And blew up. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was okay. really cool.
0: And what was the theory, like, where did the uh, shape come from in your board? Like, you were one of the ones that had, like, the tail got smaller in the back.
2: Yeah, well, see, Stropo wanted me to ride his board on caster, right? He rode a real wide kind of pig. So, I'm riding it. I couldn't really do Ollie's that good on there. I was really small. His board was big. I couldn't do it. And Wally's like, let him try to ride mine. I said, heads up. Boom! It fit perfect, man. Like, right? but his cuts were like little niches, right? Uh-huh. But I loved it, man. I could ride that board. It was like, I mean, I first time I stepped on it, it was like felt like that. And Strop was kind of bummed. He wanted me to ride his board, but it all worked out great. And then, so I rode Wally's board the whole time. I rode for Caster, and then I was going to get my pro model on there on Caster. And so we'd go to the shop with Wally, and we cut one out, but. Kind of more like an antric cut, you know, down closer, cuts by the back wheels. But then that didn't happen. So when I started buying for Zorlak again, uh, he goes, what shape board do you want? I go, I don't know, man, because he's wanting to do it really fast. Everything's like changing fast as shit. Mm. And so he goes here, just like this. He had my graphics, here and he already had it made, and it was like a strople board. <laughs> you know, And I was like, well, shit, sure, man, all right. So I wrote that <laughs> for a little while. And then it was, skating got really big. We're starting to get, we were, Zorlac is starting to take off a lot. Uh-huh. So I had that new shape, man. I just went, I'm going to make crazy, like instead of the in way cuts, I'm going to drastically do it, Make put a fishtail on it. You know, we were just having fun. Personally, I did not think skateboarding was ever going to recover from what happened to me. I mean, it broke my heart in 79 when I wasn't going to go out and hang out with Strobel and all them and Wally, you know, I thought it was all done. I thought skateboarding was just going to go away. Huh. You know, I went back home, I, back in my fucking stupid high school. It's like, I'm not going to California. I have nothing to look forward to. I thought it was done. And so I just, like, was having fun with the, okay, yeah, make my board. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's do these new shapes. I don't care. Oh, if I said it's got graphics. Cool. But then, you know, it started getting a, the underground came up, and it was like everybody was united.
1: So uh-huh.
2: we kind of then because really I didn't even try. I don't even care really about competition after fucking caster days. You know, it was just like okay. Oh, I get to travel there. That's great. Man. That's all I want to do is travel, skate some other spots. Oh, there's a contest in there. Whatever, you know. Yeah, use so, it
0: for a means of transportation and yeah. get to hang out with bros.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's no, what it's always about. been. Learn the underground culture of the other cities, you know?
0: Yeah. What's up with the what? Uh, talk about the clown ramp. That was yeah. where, where was that? Dallas?
2: Yeah, that was in Dallas. Was that it? I know a lot of people don't understand, but Dallas, is like almost 300 miles from Houston, right? Uh-huh. Dallas is like just below Oklahoma. We like to call it South Oklahoma. That's kind of a little thing. (laughs) Dallas, South Oklahoma. You know, we're by the coast and stuff. That's why we had that big surf crew that skated Uh all around. So the clown ramp, if you go back to the skate park days of the 70s, we used to have this one park. We had five skate parks, matter of fact, in the 70s. I mean, Houston was thriving, big time skate scene. It always has been. I probably always will. And uh, so we had this fiberglass skate park. And they had all the, that was the ver- where the vertical was. If we get rides out there and get people to drive across town to go there, that's where we went. Okay. So that place tore- went away, but then they opened it up indoors. And they only had parts of them, and the rest were in storage. And when they started turn- tearing, started- they tore that one down. Newton came and bought the ramp bought the blue ramp, what turned into the blue ramp with the big boys played on yeah. on the flat bottom. So he bought that, and that was two sections of fiberglass. So after that, I don't know where he got the clown pieces. I think he bought it from somewhere up north in Jersey. And then combined the two, blue in the middle and the clown ramps on the side and put it there at Bakham Lake. You know, the story's long and long about how I mean, all the different places that the Blue Ramp had been. Uh-huh. It's probably something that you should talk to Craig about or Newton. You should talk to Newton about it because I can't remember that much. I mean, it's all foggy. It was back in 81 and 82.
0: But the, I was
2: like right, the caster was right next to it.
0: The main thing to it is it had lights or something in it, right? It was like a like. Yeah,
2: evidently it was so you could score points. Score it points. Was like yeah. Built, when it was built, like in uh, operation, if you get hit the bumpers or the little buttons, they're like two hundred points. And you get the <laughs> other one, five hundred points. You know, it's like that's why we call it a clown. you are know, like like a circus or something.
0: And what, the, was it that's how a,
2: the clown ramp name came about? It's like clowning around, you know.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. But there yeah. was a guy named Marvin or something who owned it, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, was it Marvin? Yeah, Marvin. He had a little little thing where he used to rent roller skates for Uh. people to skate around the lake there. And then when they, he goes, yeah, you can put the blue wrap. First, it was just the blue wrap. And then Newton acquired the clown portion, some other later in the future. But yeah, and then he turned it into a skate shop. And then that place was 24-7 too. had lights and everything. (sighs) We'd go there at 2 in the morning and skate and stuff. If the it wouldn't sweat and get the condensation on it,
0: yeah, that's you know, when you skate
2: fiberglass when it gets slippery at night. All oh, gets all that wet stuff on it.
0: That's kind of like part of the. I mean, it's like Arizona too, right? Like you kind of want to like skate in the evening because it's so fucking hot in the day.
2: Exactly, exactly. Because I mean, one hundred five during the day, ninety nine percent humidity, Dude. not a cloud in the sky.
0: I skated that I, metal ramp in Houston one time and did like a slide in my arm. I thought I burnt my arm off. It was so gnarly.
2: Oh, man. My friend Toby, we, see what the skate park in Houston was, you know, the Kahuna ramp? Yeah. Before that, in the 70s, it was called Texas Twister, right? Uh, okay. And it was a shitty, shitty, shitty cement park. But the guy there, Dennis, and his father and them, they worked in some steel place. They had a half pipe there. With no flat bottom, no rollouts, but metal. And it was pretty wide. It was state of the art back then. And it was so fast. But if you skate it in the middle of the day, you're fucked, man. Totally fucked. Like yeah. I was about to say, my friend Toby fell and he skipped the top of his leg down. And he laid there just for a few minutes. And then we went out there and got him up. And it was cooked. It looked like beef jerky. Is where he'd scrape his yeah, leg like just, and just, just cooked him back quick. It was bad. Man. Yeah, bad, it's bad, just
0: bad. gnar. Yeah, I was always tripping on that because we went through there, I think, either two or three times, like crossing through Texas,
2: and we'd stop it. I'd be like, why
0: the fuck would they put metal in the hottest place ever?
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. It was fast and smooth, but there's a price to pay. You know? Right.
0: Uh, Do you remember meeting Jeff Phillips for the first time? Like when he came on the scene?
2: Yeah, I I think it was some contest that everybody was talking about. This new guy from Dallas, that's like um, he skated really good or whatever. And like what? But he's riding gold wings, man. I see him over there riding gold wings. And you know, we used to give him shit. Well, yeah, yeah, he came on the scene. There he was, killing it. And then we became good friends right away. And then. You know, but he's got that Dallas attitude, you know, you know, Dallas, Dallas inducted.
0: Uh, I don't
2: know, but it was cool. You know, I didn't know him from the skate park days in the 70s and stuff. I knew Craig, I knew Dan, I knew uh, all the other guys. Phillips, I guess was a local at Wizard Skate Park where Dan skated a lot, but I never, I don't think I ever, ever skated there. Hmm. And, uh, but anyway, when the ramps came in, he was there, killing it. I think he was riding for GNS. Well, first he was riding for you No? Know? Yeah. Then he wrote for GNS, and he quit GNS and started. That's when he got on Sims.
0: Sims, yeah. okay that photo mofo has of him at clown ramp where it's all blurred is like, he's doing a booster. It's like one of my favorite photos. Like I got a print of him. Just like, that is what skating is for me growing up. Like, damn.
2: That's what, that's one of the best thrashing covers, man. Right there. Maybe <laughs> at the back cover too, I think.
0: Yeah. And he is one of the few, like there's like, I think maybe now there's more, but I remember at one point there was like three or four people in the history of the mag that had had the front and back.
2: Yeah, you know, and it's so rad that he got that because he was always, when he was writing for Sims, you know, it was like, because what Dorfman was owned Sims. And, yeah. Uh, but he was all in division and Sims was kind of on the back burner. You know, Phillips was winning contests and shit. And then fucking Gator would be undercover and the back cover, all of this. He had a big hatred then for that. He uh. was really pissed off. He was really bummed about that. Huh. That's why he wouldn't like speech.
0: But Jake said he was the one guy that could do a fucking 540 out of an invert. He's like, yes. <laughs> yep. You love that story. He, he,
2: did, he used to do his inverts, you know, totally stalled everything. And, and he would pull himself from the copy, making
0: take this yeah, you
2: get the speed to do it. Dang. Any trick after that. And that was his that was his setup trick.
0: Right. Have you guys ever uh, had problems with the law, like going to the pipes and stuff? Have you ha- have you gone to jail or anything?
2: Yeah, at that time we took us. Uh, oh, I didn't go to jail. We got tickets, but the time we took uh, Salva there for they would fill, what uh, Salva calls wants to go to the pipes, right? So me and Craig were like, okay, you can either fly into Dallas, we we'll drive there, or fly into Amarillo. It's like, oh, I'll just fly into Amarillo. So we drive from Dallas, and go up there, we get up to the Amarillo airport, and you're standing outside, he's got, not only is it Salva, it's like five other Santa Cruz guys, it's Grosso, it's fucking, I think it's Rod Scott, maybe, can't really remember, it's like five guys there, plus like a seven-man film crew. It's like just <laughs> all these people are like, Hey, you know, we got to sneak in at dawn, you know, and either y'all going to have to take a boat with all that gear around and come up to spillway and we can jump over the fence. And those guys in the film crew, they never once were trying to hide, you know, or anything like when we were skating, finally we finally were going to stay at the mouth of the pipe. Don't, I mean, stay up at the elbow. Don't hang out at the mouth when that's where the heat is in the sun. And they kept hanging out there hanging out there fully got us busted you know right and i know they did that on purpose because they were filming for that streets of fire right and so we're mm. like okay and we were riding oj Wills. we're kind of in there with nhs and shit and so when the video came out the film our part mining craig's i think i had almost a full second and craig had like a quarter of a second <laughs> and that was it man and uh. then it's all them skating the pipe. we're like all of that and getting busted and getting tickets, you know, at least yeah. they paid for the ticket, you know.
0: Yeah. You didn't you have a doubles ad on OJ, like a photo in the mag, like oh a-
2: yeah. At Craig's doing a backside arrow over me and yeah. I'm doing eye contact. You know, everybody thinks that's fake. Everyone I've talked to says, Oh, y'all just did a setup. Like I was just sitting there. With my tail, why Craig did it back that arrow. Over me. I'm like, come on, give me a fucking break. Oh, really? I don't even answer questions like that. Yeah. Like, fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, you- but that was, you know, a little double session. We, we used to do that a lot.
0: Uh huh. And so, what happened with Zorlak? Why did you and Craig end up leaving?
2: Well, first of all, we weren't getting paid, you know, and Newton's, I mean, Zorlak grew so fast. I mean, through that, like 84. I mean, it was just like phenomenal. You know, he moved into a bigger warehouse. And what, what really was happening was, I think, but remember, I, they're keeping secrets from me. Everyone keeps secrets from me. I am the last to learn anything. And I still today don't know the truth what really happened. This is what I think, that he couldn't get the boards made. It grew so fast. Everybody wanted Zolite boards. We're at the bottom of the totem pole. There were only like three wood companies back then, right? Mm -hmm. 84. And they were making GNS and Santa Cruz and all those big guys out there on the West Coast. And we're just guys from Texas, right? And we're trying to, we got these huge orders, huge orders. And they're not fulfilling. We can't get them made. Can't get the wood made. So, and then he's going, he's, I think Newton's reaching for everything. He's trying to find wood companies. He's trying to get it made. And then he's like start digging himself a hole. And then Metallica comes along, right? They're like, they're all into Pusset. They love it. They yeah. love like the whole vibe, everything. And we love Metallica. We thought they were rad as shit. The crossover, you know, everybody's digging it. Yeah. And um, it was rad. They're like, yeah, we'll do a Metallica board. And Newton's like, yeah, and he, like, made shirts. I did the graphics for. It's like, everybody loved him, buying them up. Metallica's taken off. Zorlac's taken off. Everything's fucking getting good, right? And we're starting to get money. And all of a sudden, it's like Newton buys. He invested all these Metallica boards, all these Metallica shirts. He's like, fills the warehouse. And all this time, he's trying to sell those, but we're not getting paid. We're the ones breaking the pre- pavement and everything and then i go to a trade show and everybody goes man i just put in all everyone all over the country it's like trying to get your boards man everybody wants to buy them can't get them can't get them Newton's just sending them metallica boards and stuff because he doesn't have y'all it's made he's only it's just, what boards you get made he's doing metallica and then lars steps in and lars is like hey instead of a dollar board there's five of us here, or what is it? Four of us here. We get four dollars. How many are in Metallica? Five. Each person's getting a dollar aboard, board, right? Okay. We're only getting a dollar a board, right? And Newton's like, oh shit, not. And then <laughs> Lars flows in and no merchandise. You can't sell any uh, merchandise with Metallica on it. And Newton's already got a warehouse full of stuff. <laughs> and then, and we, then we're looking at thrasher and everything We're like oh look at everybody over in sweden oh look at them skating in europe man that looks so cool oh look at this guy i never heard of him he's skating in uganda or somewhere uh-huh. south africa wherever we're like hey man why are not we doing this we're in the top 10 every once in a while come on And uh-huh. it's like man we're getting older we know it's not going to last we want to get as much traveling as possible and the only way we could do that was ride. For, we didn't want to ride for anyone else. You know, because Zorlak was like, this is our thing. You know, we build our thing up. And this is us, you know. You know, it's kind of a scene, You know, you build your little thing like Dogtown, mm. Santa Cruz, Northern Cal. And we thought we had it, but it wasn't working and we wanted to travel. We didn't have much longer. So we went over the album. You know, there was a big uh, rumor going around. I was in Santa Cruz at the time. I spent a lot of time out there in Northern Cal that uh, Santa Cruz was going to buy Zorlac, you know, get him out of potential bankruptcy. And then under the umbrella of NHS would have been Zorlac. Huh. That that would have been awesome. But right. Zorlak was too far gone, too much debt. It couldn't okay. do it. They backed out of it. That was rumors. Now, I tell you, people don't tell me the truth open the thing. So this is what I'm getting out of.
0: Okay. Did you guys ever kick it with Metallica?
2: Yeah. We hung out with him. Yeah, you know, Craig hung out with him probably more than I did. He drove when uh, Hammett was in uh, Dallas. They were at a party and this guy had a bone chair, a chair made out of bones. And Kirk Hammett wanted it so bad he paid Craig all this money to put it on a truck and First, she bought it from the artist that had it in Dallas and then paid Craig to put it on a truck and drive it out to Frisco to his house. It's pretty cool.
0: Wow. Yeah. Jason and Jesse told me the first time, like one of the first times he met you guys, you showed up at this session and he had never heard Metallica, but you guys had it just cranking. Like, well, I don't know if it was Kill them all or Ride the Lightning, but early days.
2: Yeah. It was probably Ride the Lightning and even before that, Kill them all. Yeah. I mean, when Masters of Puppets came out, and Zorlac was like, Craig's new graphics came out. I never changed mine. I always wanted mine to stay the same. But Craig's graphics came out, fucking Masters of Puppets. All of a sudden, they were getting radio. I think it was that Chicago blowout NSA contest. Oh yeah. Right when I was about to drop in, that's when Steve Keenan, you know, he was there uh, taking pictures. He goes, uh, Cliff Burton just died, fuck, in a crash. And we were, like, crushed, man. We were so crushed. Oh. I couldn't even skate anymore after that. No way. Yeah, we were pretty tight with Metallica.
0: Yeah, that's heavy. We were kicking it. So what's it like when you're getting on to Alva? Like, how did that all go down? You just, you knew Tony already, and it was, e- Oh, like- yeah.
2: Yeah, I already knew Tony, and, you know, Duncan, and Bradagy. We're all bros, you know? We're all friends already. Uh-huh. We, we were... Do- we all hung out at all the contests and go, go to. We're the ones that go out and skate other places and hang out, and see the culture of the city and stuff. Right. And it was only like a natural move, you know, like, and especially John Bally. Well, John Bally, he, I wasn't aware that he was running. He was a behind the scenes guy doing the business, right? Because I know him from when I wrote for Chiro. Mm. for Caster. And So when I started riding for Alba, there's Sean Chantali. So we were already buddies, just natural. We came in, they flew us out there. We hung out, took Murph with us, Murph was with us. And Freddie, because Freddie rode for uh, Zorlac before. And so we just jumped ship, went over to Alba because Newton wasn't going to be able to do anything with Zorlac. They were so far in debt and everything. Okay, so we had to jump. We had to do something. Because we wanted to travel before our knees gave out and skateboarding. Yeah, you know everybody else is traveling, but us, man. You know we're like, God, ah, we want a piece of the pie too.
0: You were on Alva when they had those like tri tails, right? Like those little kicky tails. Yeah, I remember like that's kind of when street skating started, and we swore that those made you ollie higher. It was like uh,
2: wow,
0: <laughs> they
2: were pretty good, man. They were killer. And like, of course me, man, I don't like change. I didn't change my shape. You know, I was still going with the cow skull. That's what I wanted to do. And I know, remember those guys at Alba, they had their own wood company. They didn't make any other boards but Alba. That's why the Tritel. And they were tough as shit, man. Yeah. couldn't break them. Right. But the guy, that used to have to shape my boards and my board would come up. He's like, oh, I hate this. I hate this. I hate your board. I was like, well, get a night job. I don't know, man.
0: Did you get kick it with Cooksey at all? Who? C- Chris Cook.
2: Oh yeah, huh? I know Cooksey from back. He he was one a uh, guy that came out in that Dallas contest back in '81 or '82, I think it was. Where TA was a judge, and the big boys played on flat bottom. Oh Cooksey yeah, was there. That's the first time I met him. You know.
0: Damn, he's kind of the our local like we all love Cooksy. Oh, is he, he up
2: there? Is he, he still there? I don't you know had... if
0: he's still. Yeah, I think he is, but he he skated this pit in Pacifica that was like so hard to skate and he ripped the shit out of it. It was like there's Devil's Pit and it was just like, dude, yeah.
2: Cooksy. Yeah. Yeah, that was I, him. That's his thing. Yeah. Yeah, I fucking love Cooksy, man. I've known him for a long time, man. Long a long time.
0: time. But do, you man,
2: did yeah, that, one of the reasons why going to Alba, man, you know, Cooksey and, you know, and, uh, Hartrell and, uh, 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 don't make me name them all. Danforth, of course, man. He was yes. all buddy for forever.
0: Did you meet Felper through, uh, Sm- uh, Fred Smith?
2: Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, I know Fred talks about Felper because he's a little Boston guy, right? Uh-huh. He came from Boston, right? Yeah. That's where Freddie's from.
0: Yeah. yeah. But they were they were friends. I don't know if that's how you got you originally met him or not till later. No,
2: a, I don't know how I met him. I think I met him was the first time I met him. I think it was that Thrasher Death match. Really? I think so. Oh, maybe I've met him before. I don't know, but it didn't really stick in my mind.
3: But now then I was like,
2: because Freddie's going, oh, this guy's running thrashing now. I'm like, who? Hey, like, Philfer. I was like, where do I know him from? He's like, you don't want to know him. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I the, don't de- know the
0: day that I met you, it was deathmatch death match <laughs> with him, and he got sucker punched in the bathroom. And he comes out, he's like, well, that's the first. I just got hit while I was taking a piss. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's classic. That's cool. Those
0: death matches are so fun, though. Yeah, that
2: one was really cool, you know. That's when uh, Shop by Southwest was going. It started getting so corporate and stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, it got too big. Yeah. Uh, What a lot of people might not know is you're the gnarliest foosball player I've ever seen.
2: (laughs) Five dollars a ball, I'll play anyone.
0: (laughs) Dude, you've been doing that for a long time, huh?
2: And my brothers, man, Pasadena, Texas was a huge foosball town. I mean, the first place, one of the the P ramp, fiberglass ramp pieces that we had to steal, uh, we put it behind the foosball hall there. So go in there, play foosball at night, chicks. In the day, we're skating the ramp in the back. Nice.
0: Mm. Do you got any uh, favorite memories of coming to
2: San Francisco? Many of them, all of them. One time, like, we're going, we're leaving Houston, right? We're going to Florida to go skate St. Pete, Grigley's Ramp, right? Uh-huh. And Rob Robstock's coming from Ohio. And then Ridgeway, and everyone's coming down the East Coast. You know, this is when skating was underground. And then we're all leaving the ramp, St. Pete's. And we're driving I-10 West, you know, goes right through Houston. And with big caravan, who's in the caravan? Rob Ropscoff has got his Camaro packed. He's moving to Santa Cruz because he's just got on the team. He's going to move there and get his board out and all that. Uh-huh. And then there's Paul Smiths moving Smith's kicks from Florida. He's got his whole operation packed up in a haul And then Brian Ridgway, um, Marty Geminis, a whole bunch of people are all le- fleeing the East Coast. And they're all going to West. So they all followed us, and they end up in Houston at my house, all of them. Man. And we, they stay supposed to be there, over and then they're going to take off, and I'm going to stay home, right? And so we go out, and they start, we're skating. They're having such a good time, going out to the clubs. They all get girlfriends and everything. Stay for about two or three weeks, you know, in Houston. They're supposed to be going out to the West Coast. So then they all leave. We got to go. And I'm waving to them by. And they're going. And then they stop. They go, well, what are you doing? Come on. And I'm like, okay, I'll go with you. And I run back to my house and grab my skate bag, my surfboard, jump in the car with Rob Scott. It was the only spot open. We move. If we head out there, go skate Del Mar. They all live there. And then me and Rob drive up to Santa Cruz. Boom. And then he's staying with those guys from Blast. And that's he's got a little corner. Right there by NHS, right on, right by the hook where the hook is. Yep. So I go in there, I skate, and I meet all those guys from Blast. Dude, I skate for six months, man. I had so much fun skating derby, oh, going yeah. to the city, fucking hanging out with uh, Banderspec, you know, rest in peace, and yep, in Hayward, Loeb skating Loeb's ramp and everything.
0: Ah, sick. and yeah.
2: blast. I swear, I was gonna move there. Swear, and remember, I rode out there. So I had no car or nothing. And then when I wore out my welcome, I had nowhere else to stay. I was going home. I went home. I got my car. went right back out there and stayed. And that's when the rumor was going, started going around that NHS was going to get, uh, you know, take over yeah. Zorlach. Still happened Zorlach, but under the umbrella. And man, I was hoping that would have happened because I would have been Santa Cruz local.
0: Yeah. Fuck.
2: And went into the city many times. All the time. Hang out with Street Scott, up on his roof, many mornings.
0: Six. It's crazy, man. Did you skate Hunter's Point ever at the ramp?
2: Oh, yes. Uh-huh. I know. love that place, man.
0: Yeah. Fucking radiggy like
2: Yeah, that was one of the best half heights in California at the time. Because oh. usually they build ramps out in California. They're all so small. You know, small transition, right to vert uh uh-huh. But there was that other ramp that we rode too that Fab took us to. I, don't know, he, I, I thought it was his, but he says it's not. So uh, I don't know.
0: Maybe it was Heaven Ramp.
2: Maybe. I don't know, but it was really good. We had a really, really killer session there.
0: Fab was amazing.
2: Yeah, Cab was there and stuff, and it was cool. It was just all, you know, no plan or nothing. It was spur of the moment. Mm. Those are the best sessions like that.
0: Fuck yeah. Well, what's going on these days? Are you still connected with Embassy?
2: Oh, yeah. So uh, Lee and I, you know, we're old friends from way, way back, you know. And like in 2008, I guess it was like the skating boom and then it was dying again or whatever. We're like, and Lee was wanting to open up a skate shop. And we talked about it. I'm like, well, let's just get boards, man. I think boards are cheap to get made down and try to keep it, you know, keep the Texans dream alive. Huh. He's like, yeah, and then Lee just go full force into it. So it just, you know, let's do it. Let's build it up. And we got to get some great riders, skateboards, traveling the world, you know. Yeah. Duncan's all in there on it and stuff.
0: Oh, ah, that's cool. Okay. And what are you doing for, what are you, you're working, what are you doing as a job now?
2: Oh, I I work uh, uh, for the IOTs, you know, a union job, I worked for the sound department for the Houston Grand Opera. Oh, shit. Yeah, you know, just because I was into music and everything too, and bands. So it's when Skating died back in the past. And I was like, man, I just want to record bands, you know, go behind the scenes. And here I am oh, I doing it, I guess. We're well, not really doing it, but found an easy kickback union gig, but I don't have to work too hard anymore.
0: How rules.
2: Yeah, know. Uh, that's it, too old for. Me.
0: How's this last year or so been with all the craziness going? You, you oh,
2: get, it's been totally fucked for me. It's yeah. been not not really money wise, just fucking the reality of how things are going to be. Like it's mentally, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everything's changed. World's flipped upside down. We don't know which way's up anymore. You know, I mean, it's just totally weird. Something is going on. Something strange. I,
0: you, okay, somebody's got. $500,000. You still got the Fred Astaire move?
2: Uh yeah. <laughs> sure. I'll, do it for, I'll do it for that. Maybe times two. <laughs> I, I'm taking the black part.
0: Uh, <laughs> the, the black art approach. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Fuck, yeah.
0: We always end it with a song. What, what would be a good uh, jam to fucking throw on at the end?
2: Yeah, that's a hard question. I don't know. Um, I guess we're going to have to go with that 70s song, that Dr. Dr. Please by mm. UFO. All I know right. it kind of starts off mellow, but kind of says it all.
0: Fuck yeah. Dude, it's a pleasure talking with you, man. I'm really stoked that you took the time in our, our pass finally. We went all like, right. uh, you know, we threw three balls. We had two strikes. There was a couple guys on the bases, and then we hit the home run.
2: Yeah, or bunk.
0: Fucking hey Houston Astros. Good luck to you.
2: We're not cheaters. <laughs>
0: yeah. A- anything else that you want to touch on that I might, that you might uh
2: no man, just fucking live your life day by day and just we'll get through this and things will look better, hopefully.
0: Absolutely. That's uh, I feel you.
2: Well, you know, we didn't touch on the skateboard hall of fame thing that's coming up. Oh yeah, what, yeah what with Stropal and everything that we're in at the same time.
0: Yeah, I was talking to Stropal about it, and I was like. You know, my favorite was that Blackheart won it the year that it wasn't open.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you know, I've been talking to Blackheart, too. We message all the time.
0: Oh, I love so. Blackheart. He's like my favorite. Uh, but yeah, so Hall of Fame is they're going to do a two for one this year, right? Yeah,
2: we're going out there. It's all set up. It's planned. Me and to I've got a board coming out. It's going to be my pro model from Rad. Caster. Rad. I got the pictures of it, but nobody knows. I was trying to keep it secret, but I do little hints sometime online. Uh-huh. You know, what it's going to look like and everything. And uh, got the old pictures from where I was riding my prototype right before. I kind of took them. Uh, it's going to be just like that one pretty much, you know. Okay. Not empathy or anything. Watson's making them. It's Watson was <laughs> the guy that made old, exclusively ca- caster back in the day. Okay. So it's kind of like the same Strobel's doing. You know, he had his on Anti Hero and stuff with Grasso. Yeah. He had his out already a long time. Mine's been pushed pushed back. Hopefully, it will be finished by the 12th. Yeah. And so Saturday, I think we're going to go to Pasadena where Strobel lives out by there and then barbecue and stuff. If you're in town, man, come check Dude, it out.
0: maybe we will. Yeah. That sounds yeah. fucking cool. I didn't know it was coming up so soon.
2: I know it's coming up quick. You know, yeah. and they, that's why I, I kind of thought you were doing this with Chris and me before the Hall of Fame thing. No, it no it, worked.
0: yeah, it was coincidental. And it would oh, okay. Cool, yeah, man. no, just a big fan, dude. I just love fucking talking to fucking skateboarding about, you know, all the stuff I don't know about. it. It's rad like putting the, okay, I know this. And then you're like, oh, yeah, but did you know this or this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, I could go on
2: because I get off track. I'm not sure. My brain doesn't work as good as it used to.
0: How's your brain feel about the Hall of Fame though? Like, what are your thoughts on? Was it like a huge, like, were you super stoked or are you got mixed? Like, I know some people are like, you know, there's politics involved with it and everything. But yeah, like,
2: you know, I'm sure everyone that's, you know, still involved in it, skateboarding or I mean like the industry and like trying to keep up. There's probably people that got bad taste about it right uh-huh. but you know mark waters dude he he fought for me to be in there oh, he did wow. and i feel so bad that I, I haven't told you about this or anything i feel so bad because he fought and fought to get me in there and i'm honored to do it i used to kind of think oh because i wasn't in it or anything. i would uh. talk you no know, oh, that's popularity contest whatever but once you're recognizing those guys from the on the board, they recognize you. I mean, it's really, it's stoked. I get stoked on it. And Mark, he really pushed the issue. And we were talking and everything. And when the induction came up in 2020, they did the big film. I mean, the big, you know, no one can go anywhere. They can't have the, uh, uh, what do you call it? They're like, they're doing the announcement. Everyone that's been inducted for 2020. So we're all on lockdown, right? We're in our beds. No pants on. We're watching social media. You know, this is the announcement. And he says he had a last-minute adjustment on the video when he played it, and I wasn't on it. It bumped mine off. And he called to apologize and everything, and I screamed. I was so pissed off because I had my family watching everything. I didn't tell them I was in, but I'm telling them they're making the announcement. I wanted everybody to get that. And then somehow at the very last minute my segment was missed and uh-huh. i screamed at him so bad you know the fucking it's like mark how did you let that what happened I had my family all around texas watching everyone and uh-huh. i did not tell him i was in he's like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry he fixed it really quick you know so when he replayed it it was in there but the uh-huh. initial moment and i bitched out lord thornhill i bitched out mark so bad and everything uh-huh. And then I think we kind of made amends and everything. And then he fucking died, man. I didn't want to leave it on like that. I didn't know he was going to die of COVID. Yeah, right after dude. That. <laughs> uh, sorry, my phone.
0: No, it's all good. Yeah, that's crazy. That's- yeah,
2: it's so bad. I feel really bad. But he's, you know, he worked really hard to get me in there.
0: That's insane. Like, the way life's been working as far as people uh, di- dying and stuff, it's just... I mean, you, uh, like Stropel, he, he heard the same day that he was going to the Hall of Fame as that Grosso died. Exactly. It, same day. Like, see,
2: what exactly. The fuck? And it's like, you know, the love letters thing, man. I wasn't, re- I didn't really watch him that much when they came out. Uh-huh. I didn't realize. He- but then after Strople and Jeff, Amen, they flew me out there to come hang out with them. Oh, okay. They wanted to because we were like doing a reunite because we really hadn't talked or been together or anything since 82, since those days of pastor, right? Oh. It's been all this time. They'd seen me in the magazines go up through Zorlach and Alba and all that. I've never seen Strobel or Wally. Oh,
1: all those whoa.
2: years gone by. And then the love letters, Grasso, because he talks, he gives me props in, in there and he gives props to Strobel, yeah. and then oh, didn't really, not that I saw some of them, didn't pay attention. That's my fault. Uh-huh.
1: But then,
2: after being reunited with Strobel, and then all those guys, because I grew up, I basically grew up where Strobel's parents' house. Every time between contests, that's where I was. I knew people in Arcadia, Chris Robinson, you know, who passed and everything, and Eric Nash was a little kid. Uh-huh. And Grasso and all of them that I was in the same neighborhood, basically staying uh-huh. at Strobel's house.
0: Yeah, See, this uh, is... Lance lived there too, right? And
2: Lance. Yeah, yeah, Lance. Yep. And you know, but I was riding for Caster, and they were little kids. You know, I was a little bit older than them. And Grasso was little shit. You know, just like <laughs> yeah. a he was like in diapers or something. <laughs> man, you know? But anyway, all that. And since we reunited uh, right before the pandemic. I started watching the letters, you know, getting all into it. I was uh, like, damn, Grasso gets us props big time, man. Yeah. It was really cool. And then he died. Right? What did he, It was Waters so... died, you know? Uh,
0: no. Oh, Grasso we died, with... like, it seemed like the first week of the lockdown. Nobody knew what was going on, and then all of a sudden that happened, and then no one really knew what was going on.
2: I know. It's like we were locked out in March. They made the announcement of the 2020 people. And Mark, he's the one that fought. And then I found out he died. I was fucking, I was, I was floored, man. I was floored. Yeah,
0: Mark was a good dude.
2: And then I, we didn't know, I was like, just typical me, you know, fucking get my pro motto on or skating dies. And then fucking skate Zorlog, jump over to Alba big time. And then skating with the street skating, you know, and then now I'm getting into the Hall of Fame, COVID hits. There's no ceremony and nothing. It's just a little blip on the internet. You know, I'm just like, fuck, this shit sucks, man. Uh, Get my hopes up and then we're all going to die.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the lesson, I guess. Just got to make the most of it each moment we have. Yeah. Lost a lot of fucking heavy ones, but
1: fuck, yeah. yeah,
2: I'm telling you, man. The world is fucking upside down. People are dying. It's really fucked up. You know, because oh. I watch all your podcasts. I see what you're thinking. You're thinking the same way I am. Friends are d- dropping left and right. But it's it, it's good to be honored, man. Like you say, I don't yeah. really, I used to be negative about it, but I'm really not now. So it's something now with the museum, we gonna donate some stuff. You know, maybe my kids, kids can come visit it when I'm long gone.
0: Yeah, that's what's sick. And I think that um, Stropo had a really good point, which was, getting the skaters involved more to be a part of this is going to make it a cooler experience. If you got like these dudes that are like the self-appointed judges and everyone's kind of like, why him, why not him and all that. But if you start getting like your peers and the people that are involved with it, like, well, if fucking craig said it then fucking let's do it you know like as opposed to like donnie behind the scenes and no one knows who the fuck that guy is yeah exactly so i think i think things are good and i know mark waters i i love that dude he did a lot for me too and uh i know he did a lot and he was working hard to make it a better place and a more uh you know an avenue that people are gonna 'Cause this is a big deal and you want you don't you wanna be honored and you are honored and so like I yeah, think it's important. it's
2: like what? They paid attention? That's what how the way I look at it. It's like what yeah. they even know who I am, you know, yeah, they yeah. paid attention. Right I mean, shit. But I mean that's cool at least.
0: Well, I'm gonna hang up and hit up Lee and, and rattle his cage, get him to send me some stickers and shit and uh, yeah, send me your address and I can send you some stuff too.
2: All right, don't worry, friend.
0: Hell yeah, dude. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. All right,
2: man. It's been talking to you, Smith. Fuck yeah. Thank
0: you, John.